Welcome in. Happy Friday. Good to have you. Um, just just a, a couple of notes before we get going here in earnest. Um, happy Veterans Day to our veterans tomorrow. Um, uh, happy birthday to our Marines out there. My father, my grandfather, uh, happy birthday to you. Um, it, it is a, a, a special time, especially when you consider what's going on in the world. When you consider the the the, the very difficult times, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in the Middle East, whether it's in Asia, and it takes you back to a time when when our veterans, our active military put their lives on hold to go serve our country. So uh, it, it is a special day. It is a special weekend. WJR has been all over the place today. Um, and and I, I will just echo one other sentiment made today by by all talk. Um, they were broadcasting live from the Michigan Heroes Museum. I'm a board member there, and, and I couldn't encourage you enough to get out to Frankenmuth. It's right next door to Bronner's. You can have a really nice day. You get to Bronner's. You, you, you do the Bavarian Inn, the Zenders. Uh, you do a little shopping. Um, but you got to check out the museum. It's literally right next door to Bronner's. Um, and, and you could spend two days there and not see everything. Um, and it will it will impact your life. So I urge you to to check that out and and remember all of our veterans, our service members uh, today, tomorrow, this weekend, and, and obviously um, every day. I, I do also just real quick. I was able to MC the Fisher House, Michigan um, fundraiser just a couple of weeks ago, raised four hundred thousand dollars in a night. Uh, they're trying to build a Fisher House in Detroit. And the idea here is if you're a veteran, an active military um, and you need services you're going in for a surgery um you can stay in the fisher house for free and it's a beautiful facility um you don't pay for anything when you're there it's it's fantastic so there are a lot of really good veterans causes out there that that i would encourage you to to check out um on on this day and going forward um we have a lot to do today and i i do i I kind of mistakenly we're going to focus on college here for the for the first couple of segments. And and um we're going to take a a pragmatic approach coming up at 218 uh, just asking a little bit about where you're at as it pertains to these protests that have been popping up on college campuses and and have increasingly become more violent. Um but I do want to start with the University of Michigan because we are awaiting word from the Big 10 about a possible punishment for the Michigan football team and Jim Harbaugh now, reports surfaced earlier today. I truly had expected to hear something from the Big Ten by the time we got on the air at 2.05. But that hasn't happened yet. Uh, I just saw some pictures uh, on on X. Jim Harbaugh was boarding the team buses in Ann Arbor to head to Detroit to to fly out to Happy Valley to take on Penn State tomorrow at noon. But the reports today is that this announcement, this news, would come out early in the afternoon. I suppose we're technically still in early afternoon. But I anticipated the Big Ten after those reports leaked that something was going to come down before our show started. But it hasn't. We haven't heard anything yet. And Jim Harbaugh's attorney, Tom Mars, telling reporters earlier today that Jim Harbaugh would be on that plane to Michigan one way or the other. And so far, the university has not received any word from the Big Ten about a punishment 
uh, about a reprimand, about a fine, about a suspension, nothing. So right now it's business as usual for for the University of Michigan and the football team. And we'll talk a little bit about it uh, later on the show with with Steve Courtney. Um, But obviously, if anything breaks, we will bring that to you because – Look, quite frankly, Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the Big Ten, is under a bit of a microscope now. And in Michigan's response to the Big Ten among these allegations of sign stealing and this rampant uh, 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 kind of cabal of people who were employed by Connor Stallions to go record video games, uh, record games of future opponents on video on your iPhone, um, Michigan came out and said, look, the Big Ten doesn't even have the the evidence of something we can respond to. The NCAA's investigation continues, but the Big Ten hearing from ADs and coaches from around the conference, um, they were pretty upset, and rightly so to a certain extent. But Michigan is is saying there's a due process that needs to be upheld here. There's no way that the Big Ten was able to conduct a separate investigation running alongside the NCAA. And so now Michigan and their stance is, look, you don't have the evidence. There's nothing for us to respond to. So so whatever punishment you bring down, we're going to fight it in a court of law. And Michigan hiring one of the most powerful law firms in the country to represent them in this time. And now it's up to Tony Petiti and what he wants to do. And as we get word, we will certainly... Pass that along to you. Uh, Meanwhile, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken giving one of his most direct condemnations yet of the mounting death tolls in Gaza. He says far too many Palestinians have been killed. The U.S. has offered firm support to Israel, but Blinken's messaging certainly has shifted uh, over the last week, week and a half. And I'm a little bit disappointed in this message because, look, you know me, I live in the real world. I don't live in some fantasy utopia where nothing bad happens to nobody. That's not the world I live in. I deal in realities. And the reality here is that when you poke a bear and 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 you make it mad, what do you expect the bear to do? Ah, it's all right. No big deal. Turn around and go back into the woods. No, no. The reality here is that Israel has the right to defend themselves. Israel has the right to seek retribution for what Hamas carried out on October 7th. And that was pretty clear from the administration and the president in the days following. But since there has been an incredible softening, and whether you want to talk about the political ramifications with voters turning on Joe Biden because of his decision to to stand by Israel so staunchly early, um, I don't live... In the fantasy world, I deal in realities. And the reality is, is when you're dealing with war, there are going to be innocents affected. Innocent people are going to be impacted. They're going to be hurt. They're going to be killed. Meanwhile, there were thousands of people killed in Israel that were innocent, that have nothing to do with any of this. So I don't I don't know what the I don't know why there is such outrage but there is it has become clear to me that we don't live in a world of reality anymore, <laughs> at least in some instances. Everybody is under the influence or under some spell that things are different and 
and everything is hunky-dory. It's not. It's not. So I, I, I'm not quite sure why this is the takeaway, but here we are. And now the European Union is organizing more flights of vital support to Gaza, humanitarian aid, which is great. Uh, there will be two flights set to depart from southern Italy on Friday and Saturday. It'll carry 55 tons of items uh, donated to the EU and the World Fo- Food Program. Uh, flights also will leave from Bucharest next week, carrying tents and mattresses donated by the Romanians. Uh, there will be flights departing from Belgium at the end of the month, transporting supplies from, from the United Nations. So th- there is humanitarian aid going in. But again, when you look at these death tolls, I again, I point your direction not to Benjamin Netanyahu, not to the Israelis. I point your attention to Hamas and building facilities under hospitals because they know that Israel wouldn't attack a hospital So they're using those same innocents as shields, human shields, because they're terrorists, because they're monsters. Which leads me to my next topic. Coming up at at 218. There is a push from some in the GOP to push back on colleges who aren't pushing back on some of these protests that have gotten violent on college campuses. We'll talk about it next on JR Afternoon. Look, I, I don't want to go into what we've seen on college campuses. It's been well documented. You, you know what's been going on. Here's where I think we're starting to see potentially an opportunity for politicians to get involved. And instead of just whining about it, instead of saying, well, what are they doing? At Harvard, they're not. Well, in Berkeley, what? They're not doing anything. No, 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 no. No. Enough. Enough with the whining. Here's what we need to do. You need to start hitting them in the pocketbooks. You need to start really considering. Considering. And I mean really considering. Hitting them in the money bags. Look, they receive federal funding. Well, what would happen if that if that money just went away? Because, look, I think it was Tim Scott that said it. It's a right. It's not a luxury. You could have that taken away. If you are not doing your best to protect everybody on college campuses, well, you're not really doing your job. If you're not protecting the Jewish population on your campus, you're not doing your job. If, if there isn't a moment of education, of clarity, of being able to bring people together as a as a teachable moment, I'm not sure you're doing your job. So my question to you is, is that too harsh? Is that too harsh for politicians to look at these universities and if they are not acting in an appropriate way towards their entire student body. You start withholding funding. Because I think that there is something to be said and a message to be sent by doing just that. Now, not everything is equal. 
Not everybody is is doing things the exact same way. But is that an, an acceptable form of punishment? Now, look, you can say there's been a lot of different reasons or situations where universities may may have done something that would have warranted the same reaction. But this is a little different. This is a little different. Things are getting more intense. Things are getting more physical and violent, and it's getting nasty. It's not just a protest. Look, if a college kid wants to protest on behalf of Palestine, I don't have a problem with that. But when there is now threats being made to certain groups of people, or you're not allowed to be let out of this building, or don't come around here at this time, no, 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 that ain't flying. Look, I, I, I think that there, we're in a delicate moment. We're at a delicate moment. And I, I don't think it's fair for universities to sit back and just say, well, the students are just doing what they do. No, 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 no. That's not fair. Because you know who isn't able to do what they do? Other students. So I'm not saying that every university is doing it. I'm not saying that as a whole... You should look across the university landscape and make sweeping changes. Not saying that. But I think there is something to be said about curtailing some of the things that we've seen. Because if you start hitting colleges in the pocketbooks, well, maybe they change their, not stance, not opinions, but their operations. Or they start being a little more vocal for a certain group. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. But I, I think that I think it's very important that we consider that as a real a real option and not just one that that we should throw around flippantly or that we should threaten. But but I think there is something to be said about making sure that everybody on a college campus feels safe. Everybody feels safe. Um, in the meantime, you know, there's this story, and, and we haven't really talked about it here, but the story of the U.S. drone that was shot down over the co- co- coast of Yemen by the Houthi forces, which obviously has ties to, yep, you bet, you guessed it, Iran. The, the MQ-9 Reaper drone was shot down. It's manless U.S. drone. They were operating over international airspace in international waters when it was shot down. Over a few weeks, the U.S. Navy warship Kearney intercepted multiple missile drones fired by the Houthis as they were heading along the Red Sea based on the trajectory of the missiles. Military forces said it was obvious that they were destined for Israel. So this is this is another thing that I've been kind of harping on a little bit is nothing happens in a vacuum. When Hamas decided to go into Israel on October 7th. I am under the impression and it is my opinion based on what we've seen elsewhere that this was a bit of a coordinated attack. I think that. That when you look around the region, I think this was 
I think this was a coordinated attack, whether it's coming from Yemen, whether it's coming from from the the north part of Israel. Across the Lebanon border, Hezbollah, I think there is something to be said about this being a coordinated effort. Now, Hamas goes in, gets the party started, and then everybody else is going to provide cover to a certain extent. And and look, there have been attacks on U.S. bases in the region. Now this drone being shot down. I, I have relatively dismissed the fact of, well, this is World War III. I don't believe that, at least not yet. There are groups out there being backed by powerful countries like Iran that are that are daring the United States to get involved in a much bigger way. And I think that would be really that would be a problem. If you want to weigh in on that, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Let's go out to Michael. What's up, Michael and Brighton? Well, I think you're traveling down a very slippery slope when you try to control funding mm-hmm. for ideas that one pe- person or people may or may not like and another person does. And there's an endless supply of opinions. Universities are, are run by uh, regents. They make selections. They do their thing. You can't simply say withhold money because you don't like what they say. So, Michael, I'm Hillsdale with you. Hillsdale College. Michael, hold on. Let me let me just respond to that because this isn't, I'm not talking about opinions. I agree. Everybody has opinions and that's fine. What I, what I am proposing is those universities that aren't protecting a certain group of people, those universities right. when a certain protest group says, hey, if you're ex- don't come over here, or if you're ex, don't come out of that building. Um, that, that to me, is those are threats. That, to me, is the school that, not doing what they can a, do to protect a group no. of people. That's a police enforcement issue. That's not a funding um, ideal issue, period. That's a policeman enforcement issue. All right, Michael. Look, I, I appreciate that, and, and this is why I want to hash this out. Because there are more and more Republicans that are proposing this. And I, I just think it's worth a thought. Because the universities are, are, in a certain extent, in my mind, culpable. Now, you're not going to control what people say or do. I'm not expecting you to, to be the police of that. But there is something there where you need to provide an adequate space for all of your students on your academic campus. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. More of your calls, texts coming up next. All right, welcome back. Good to have you. A couple things we're following this afternoon. Waiting to hear from the Big Ten on a possible punishment for Jim Harbaugh and the University of Michigan football team as it relates to this alleged sign-stealing scandal. Um, and, and here's the, the deal is while the Big Ten hasn't come out and said anything yet, Michigan is preparing to mount a full legal offensive, whether that's a temporary restraining order if the Big Ten comes back and and issues some sort of suspension for Jim Harbaugh. Um, but there there is there is every indication that Michigan is is going to fight this tooth and nail. Um, meanwhile, you've got 
a former assistant to Jim Harbaugh, who's now the head coach at Charlotte, uh, who came out and said on X that I was closer to Jim Harbaugh over the last three years than anybody except his wife and kids. If Jim knew, I would have known. I didn't know, and neither did he. I staked my reputation on it. Stop whining and get a better team. (laughs) It's been proven now the NCAA says they have no connections between Harbaugh and whether or not he knew that this was going on or allegedly going on which isn't really the, the, the question at the moment because the NCAA is going to continue their investigation. Now it's if the Big Ten's going to act. Is the Big Ten going to bring down the hammer on Jim Harbaugh and this football team? I mean, you're essentially, you know, three weeks away from playing for a Big Ten championship and, and getting back to the college football playoff for the third time. So we'll continue to watch it. Nothing yet from the Big Ten, but but obviously this is – the biggest story of the day, and and we are certainly here at the middle of it. Um, also, want to give a shout-out to Gus's world-famous fried chicken. They are giving away a, a, a chicken sandwich meal for veterans tomorrow. Uh, so if you're around, uh, and if you've never had Gus's, I urge you to, <laughs> to get some because it's fantastic. So uh, they're supporting the veterans tomorrow as well. Um, and I've had the chicken sandwich. They brought some here, what, yesterday, two days ago? Um, and it's fantastic. So make sure you you, you give them a shot. They're in Detroit, um, Royal Oak, and Westland. They got three different locations around. Um, all right, we are wrapping about the situation in in Israel. And and I to me, I am not in some fantasy land. I live in reality. I deal in in real world scenarios and situations. And I. The reality is, is there is going to be casualties in a, in a war, in a conflict, in a conflict of arms. And what terrorists do is they use civilians as human shields, like building a facility underground underneath a hospital. So Israel wouldn't be able to bomb them because they've got an innocent hospital above them. It, it's quite nefarious. But But that's what they do. And I don't live in a world where I don't think that that's a reality. I I just don't. And so when you've got the federal government, you've got the Biden administration saying, well, far too many Palestinians have died. Well, I far too many Israelis died too. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's reality. I, I, I would prefer if nobody died, but that's, that's not reality. That's not the world we're living in right now. It's not the world that's unraveling in in the Gaza Strip or in Israel. And taking that a step further, we've seen the unrest to a certain extent on college campuses all across America. And there have been some ideas floated out on, on how to address that. And one of those ways is a number of Republicans have said, look, the Big Ten, or excuse me, the Big Ten, the, 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 these schools, these universities, they rely a lot on federal funding. So maybe we start taking away some of their federal funding. If they are not going to protect every student, no matter their background or color or religious beliefs or any of those things, if they aren't going to protect everybody, well, then how do, what do, how do we urge them to act? When you've got a certain segment of your academic population that is afraid. That's not a good place to be. 
So some have floated out the idea of taking away funding, taking away some of that federal funding. Is that something that you would support? 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Let's go to Greg in Fairhaven. Hello, Greg. Hi. Hi, Greg. What's going on? Hello. Oh, I just called in with what I think is a glaring deficiency in these colleges. Okay. These teachers really, I mean, these kids are being taught that Jews are bad and, you know, they're the enemy and they did terrible things to the Palestinians and the Palestinians lost their land after the World War II and they gave it to the Jews and that's all bad. They didn't come up with all this on their own. Okay, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, there are there are a lot of things, and this is kind of what I said earlier. I, I think there is something to be said about people being upset about the actions of universities before this conflict in in Gaza. I, I think that that's that's fair, but when you've got, for example, groups of Jewish students that are being told by demonstrators, that are being told by protesters, pro-Palestine protesters, which is a weird moniker, really, but whatever. Not to come around this, this area at this time, or don't come out of that building, or you got to stay in the library. No, 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 no. You don't call those shots. That's not your job. Now, if you want to protest, God bless. You do your thing. Thankfully, in this country, we provide an ability for you to do that. But don't for a second think that because you have one one, one ability to do something means that others don't have the ability to, to walk about campus and feel safe. And, and I do believe that falls at the hands of the universities. I think that falls at the hands of university officials. If you're if you're not creating an atmosphere for your entire student body to feel safe, that is a problem. And somebody called in earlier and said, well, it's a police issue. It's not really. I mean, yes, it is. It's a police issue when the protest is going on. And if things get out of control, police need to be there to to provide to provide an ability to to keep things under control. But I, I don't. I, schools aren't acting, and there are people that don't feel safe. Let's go to Lee in Garden City. Hello, Lee. Hi. Hey, I just thought that was. Did, did you even think about what you just got done saying about uh, having to? Um, we don't want you to come out of this building. You can't come in this building or whatever. That almost sounds like what Israel has been doing to Palestine for seventy-five years. They gotta have, They can't even leave their own. They can't even walk freely in their own land. What's wrong with this picture, Lee? Yeah. What else you got? That's it. All right. Thanks, Lee. I don't. I don't. I'm not quite sure what that has to do with the topic, but that's cool. I mean, Lee, do you want to address the issue of of college campuses? Is that something you wanna you wanna broach? You just. You just kept on saying that they they're telling the Jews what they 
what they can do and what they can't do. Lee, are you listening to the same show? I'm a little confused. Lee, yeah, I'm I'm Lee, I'm I'm to, I'm I'm Lee, Lee. Hey, hey, Chris. Chris, Chris. Lee, let me tell you what we're talking about, and I'll give you an opportunity to respond here, all right? Don't hang up on me. Lee, I asked you if college campuses should regulate an environment where everybody feels safe, not just Palestinians, not just pro-Palestinians, not just pro-Israel or, or, or Jews. It's not. It's everybody. If you've got a group of people telling another group of people that they can't leave a building because they're demonstrating... You don't have a problem with that, Lee? Of course I have a problem with it. Well, welcome to the topic. Chris, what you're not understanding is, do you have a problem with what the Jews did to Palestine? What did did they do, Lee? They were attacked on October 7th. They kept them slavery for 75 years. Oh, slavery. They can't leave. Absolutely. They own them. They own them. They own them? They Absolutely. owned those people. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, Lee. They Israel owns Gaza. Last time I knew, they were providing uh, uh, urgent utilities to them. What are you? I'm confused. They own the Palestinian people. They tell them what they can do and what they can't do. They're supposed to be on a free. That's Palestinian land. Ah. Uh, since since what the 1800s? Really? What happened in 1948 then? That's when they came. Did they come back? Is that was that my understanding? Lee, I gotta run. Have a nice uh, weekend. I'm up against it. Got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon. You know, one of the other things that we've been on pretty heavily on this show has been AI, and there has been a real push to to regulate AI in a certain way, because right now there there is just There is just no guardrails to AI. And so the idea that the federal government would step in and put some sort of guardrails in place is something that a lot of companies, particularly bigger companies, have have embraced. And and I think that would quell the fears of, of some of the American public. But that leaves all these other smaller AI companies that handle a variety of issues, they're a little worried about it. They're a little worried that these guardrails might stymie their progress or their ability to create a bigger business. It's an interesting look. We'll talk about it coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. But but it is another piece to this story as AI continues to become a much more powerful tool uh, for a lot of folks and and still is provides some apprehension to to some. Uh, Meanwhile, if you are a a cinephile and you haven't seen a a film or a show or anything in an an IMAX theater, you're missing out. It is it is unbelievable. Well, now uh, MJR Southgate is opening a new IMAX theater. In fact, they already did yesterday was their first day open. And Joel Kincaid is the VP of operations of MJR Theaters, and he joins us. Joel, it's good to have you. Thank you for thank you for having me. Appreciate uh, the appreciate the invite. What was the the idea here of bringing IMAX to Southgate? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, look, uh, Michiganders know the IMAX name, right? It's not new to the state. It's not new to the market of Detroit, but uh, certainly over the past decade, 
we've just been we we've had some good IMAX films come in and uh MJR sort of uh took a look at the at the scope of how how some of those IMAX presentations are being handled and we thought there was an opportunity to go in and, and deliver something that was even better and uh, and and sort of perfected by both IMAX and MJR. Well, and that's I, I I applaud you for it because when you consider you know, theaters are still trying to find their footing post pandemic, right? They haven't gotten quite back to where you were uh back in 2019. And so there is still an effort to try to generate a more excitement about going to the movies in person. Does does this help accomplish that, do you think? Absolutely. I mean, I think we all sort of had our eyes opened a little bit, right? Coming out of COVID, we all knew that streaming was coming. I've been doing this for 25 years. And, you know, we we never turned a blind eye to the fact that streaming was coming. But research really shows that the, the people that stream at home are the same people that go to the movies. It's not it's not one or the other. It's actually the same the same person. So what we do in the cinema industry is we we need to step our game up and make sure that what you're watching at a movie theater is far and away better, more improved than anything that you can get at home. And that was one of the biggest reasons why we we contacted IMAX and, and began this partnership. And uh, we're really excited to be partnering with IMAX and bringing the first IMAX with laser to the state of Michigan as well. Uh, it's it's not just a standard IMAX. It's powered by 4K laser projection technology. It's the state-of-the-art projection technology on the market, and it's, it is the first in the entire state of Michigan. Well, and you don't just get to throw IMAX up on your on your building or above a theater. I mean, th- there has to be there has to be some different parameters, Matt. You have to you have to make sure that you have the the actual equipment to run an IMAX film. Um, and, and, and that is really the difference of, you know, maybe your standard movie to, to compared to, to an IMAX movie. Oh, it's, it's night and day. I mean, IMAX and the amount of time effort they put not only behind their films, because they take every single film and they remaster it, um, in, into it its entirety, but also to every experience, every auditorium that they allow an exhibitor to build and put in front of a guest. Um, we've been working on this with IMAX for over, uh, I mean, we've been talking to IMAX for probably a decade now, but uh, ever really? since the partnership. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and ever since the partnership, we finally, finally settled on, on being able to deliver this. It took well over six months just for this one auditorium, just for the de- from design to to execution. Wow. Uh, and, and even when you when once you open it, it's not like okay, if we finally opened it, it's to the guest, we're good. No, there's every single day this auditorium has two microphones and a camera in it. Every single morning, it goes through a process of checking all of the light on the screen, every sound, and every speaker, just to make sure that every single day it's perfect. Oh, the, wow. the presentation is absolutely perfect. I've never seen really. I've never seen anything like it. it. It is the engineering behind this system is fantastic. Is, is it possible we see an IMAX at any other MJR facilities? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That we we didn't go to IMAX and make this partnership so we we could do a one and done. Let me put it that way. Yeah. So 
there are there are stipulations. IMAX has a very clear rule. IMAX has very clear rules in making sure there's clearance. So mm-hmm. you can't build an IMAX, you know, right next door to one that already exists. Sure. Uh, but there's still a lot of different cities, even in Metro Detroit, that that could be uh, could be next on the on the list for IMAX. Cool. Uh, Joel Kincaid with MJR Theaters. Thanks so much. I, I appreciate it and uh, look forward to getting down there one of these days to check it out. Absolutely. I'll see you at the movies. All right. That's Joel Kincaid with MJR Theaters. Uh, thank you. Um, in the meantime, 800-859-0957. I'm asking about if you believe that the right way to handle this situation on college campuses involving protesters and, and making sure that everybody feels safe. The idea that some Republicans have floated out, and that's taking away some federal funding to, to universities. You hit them in the pocketbook. Is that something that you would be in favor of? Let's go to Larry in Brownstown. What's up, Larry? Yes. Uh, my son was involved in an incident up at uh, Central Michigan. Uh, to make a long story short, they uh, they were just messing around, and, and they hung up a noose, and it was just, in reference to themselves about something they were engaged in was very hard. And somebody said, I, I almost feel like hanging myself or something. So one of them hung up a noose. Well, it created quite a, quite a stir there. The story was in the paper. It was mm-hmm. considered to be a, a racist thing. And, uh, the student that, uh, put that up was actually uh, punished for that. You know, I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly what it was. It was a while ago, but I can't believe that there isn't some kind of, code of conduct for something as serious as uh somebody saying certain people of the of the jewish face uh, if they're jewish uh, they should be exterminated you know i think to think those uh people saying that stuff on that level uh they should be expelled from school and i can't well I can't larry, yeah larry i mean that's it's def- it definitely wades into the waters of hate speech and i appreciate the call larry i mean that there is I just I think there's something that more that universities can do to make sure that all their students on campus feel safe. 800-859-0957. Got to take a break. More next. All right. Three o'clock hour. Friday before Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans. Thank you. Happy birthday to the Marines. Um, Still no word from the Big Ten. Just nothing on potential punishments to Michigan. There were reports earlier today that Tony Petiti and the Big Ten were going to release whatever whatever the punishment was or non-punishment early this afternoon, but that obviously uh, hasn't happened yet. And now the Michigan football team's gate, as of just a few moments ago, has officially left the gate and they are en route to state college in happy valley pennsylvania so if something came out while michigan was in the air it would be very interesting um but there's there is no indication yet of what could be coming what kind of penalties could be coming to the university of michigan but jim harbaugh's on the plane and they are on their way to penn state now, Michigan has, they have lawyered up. They have hired one of the most powerful law firms in the country. And Jim Harbaugh lawyering up. 
and they're going to fight this thing tooth and nail, whatever the the potential penalties will be. Now, I guess if there's a fine, perhaps Michigan would just pay the fine, or Harbaugh would just pay the fine, so they can move on, move along. But if they're lawyered up and they don't think anything was done illegally here or against the NCAA rules, then maybe that's not an option either. So we'll see, and we'll continue to watch for it. Um, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken giving one of his most direct condemnations of the mounting death toll in Gaza, saying too far, too many Palestinians have been killed. While the U.S. is offering firm support to Israel, the, the messaging has changed from the Biden administration. And at first it was, we are Israel's strongest ally. They are one of our strongest allies. Some, something horrific happened to them, and they deserve the, the, the chance to respond in kind. And now it's, well, we need to pause for humanitarian aid to be led into the country. Well, we need to pause. Maybe there needs to be a ceasefire. The, the the messaging has changed. And and I continue to maintain that that messaging has changed because there are so many people around the country. And look, right, wrong, and different, there are people that are vocal in their opposition to not only the United States' support of Israel in this case, but the vocal support of Joe Biden initially. And he has softened, but that hasn't been enough for folks. And you've got at least some members in the Arab community that are saying, well, look, we're not going to forget. We'll, we'll remember this next November when we got to cast our ballot for president of the United States. That, that he was so staunchly and strongly aligning the United States up with Israel. So that's, that's the, the first part of this. And while the death tolls are rising, you've got the IDF in Gaza City. They are surrounding important locations that Hamas uses as a hub for their operations in the Strip. You've got Israeli tanks surrounding the Gaza hospital in Gaza City. And the Israeli Israeli military continues to strike inside the Gaza Strip outside of these four-hour humanitarian pauses. But this is what terrorists do, is they, they use people as a a shield so that they can continue on their nefarious practices. And so when the the civilian death toll in the Gaza Strip is high, well, it's, it's because Hamas is using people as human shields. And again, I don't, I, I live in the real world. I deal in reality. I don't live in some candy land fantasy. It's not how I, how I live. So for me, it's very simple. And the realities are, is this is a war. And people die in wars. Whether you like it or not, want a war or not, it, the, the realities are, are the realities. And so I, I think it's a little bit rich for the administration to soften their stance when, when they could be staunchly supporting an ally in their efforts to root out a a terrorist organization that wants to wipe Israel off the map. To me, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I also brought up the question that some GOP 
members of Congress have thrown out the idea, the suggestion that maybe universities start pulling funding from these schools because of the way they are handling these protests on their campuses. Pro-Palestinian protests have erupted all over America, certainly on college campuses, and there are segments of the academic population on these in these universities that don't feel safe. And, and generally, they are, they are the Jewish population. So would you support pulling federal funding from some of these universities who aren't doing enough to protect the entire campus? 800-859-0957. David's been holding on in Detroit. What's up, David? Hey, Chris. Good to talk to you. Hey. Um, interesting subject. I just wanted to com- make a couple of quick points. One, in terms of the, the safety on the campus, I find that a bit rich considering that these universities are allowing predominantly left-wing professors pushing their ideology that fires these uh, these young minds up to begin with. So maybe they ought to start there. Uh, secondly, in terms of funding, um, you know, I, I think somebody ought to open up the Constitution and read it once in a while because I, unless you can find the constitutional authority to fund any of this garbage, whether it's public radio, public television, abortion clinic, this, or yes, heaven forbid, these long protracted quagmire wars we get ourselves into when we end up funding both sides and making more enemies. And, and you know, the CIA has written extensively on a subject called blowback. So I think we ought to open up that Constitution, read it. If they don't have the authority to do these things, don't do them. And in terms of the campuses, they ought to start with their, their own people on the inside before they can, you know, so they can make it safe for everybody. Well, and David, you, you know why they're giving out federal funding. It's it's they're using these universities as as you know as as experiments they're they're they are conducting different experiments on different things they are looking into different things i mean i i don't i don't have a problem necessarily with federal dollars going towards towards universities and 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 schools of of higher learning what what i do end up having a problem with at its core right if you've got a, a professor of a certain subject that is talking about X, Y, and Z, and that's not acceptable to some people, fine. But when, when at the most basic level, your job is to educate and protect, and if you're not doing one of those, well, that's a key pillar that you're not, you're, you're not responsible, you're, you're, not, you're not reacting to. So, so my issue is if you've got people on campus, if you've got Jewish students on campus that aren't, they don't feel safe, that's a problem. That's a problem, and that needs to be addressed. And if the administrations aren't going to address it, do federal funds need to be pulled as a way to say, "Look, you gotta, you gotta wake up here." Is that fair? All oh, right, I'm not still on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, I think you're right. It's just it, it goes a lot deeper than you can start. Oh, David, now your phone's killing me. You're breaking up, unfortunately. But Sorry, but man. yeah, no, I, I hear you and, and I appreciate the call. Got to take a break. We're talking AI and regulation next on JR Afternoon. So there have been some pretty high level talks all the way up to the president of the United States with with tech leaders that are on the forefront of AI technology. And, and there does seem to be an agreement that there there should be some guardrails in place, some some ground rules before this technology really, really takes off. But there are still there are still companies out there that are skeptical of those guardrails. 
even though there seems to be a consensus up at the top. Garrett Devink is a tech reporter at the Washington Post, and he joins us. Garrett, good to have you. Thanks for having me. So what is this apprehension from some in Silicon Valley about regulations on AI? Yeah, so over the last you know year, as things like ChatGPT and all these image generators that have popped up, really showing that you know the capabilities of AI tech is kind of rocketing ahead, there's been all these conversations about how to build some regulation. And, you know, surprisingly, the biggest companies that are kind of most powerful when it comes to AI, you know, thinking about Google, Microsoft, OpenAI, which is the company that made ChatGPT, they've all gone to Congress and said, look, yeah, regulate us, which is, you know, a little unexpected for companies to sort of support that. And so a lot of other companies, smaller companies who maybe don't have that kind of power, don't have, you know, millions and millions to spend on lobbyists, they're sort of skeptical and they're saying, well, you know, maybe these companies are pushing for laws that might benefit them, but might make it harder for smaller companies that don't have those same resources to compete with them. So that's kind of the situation we're in right now. When it comes to these discussions with these companies and government officials, where where do they stand on the the progress of, of some of these ground rules? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of it has just been conversation. And over the years, we've seen tons of conversation about all kinds of tech regulation. And essentially here in the U.S., at least, nothing has really happened because, you know, we have such political gridlock and those lobbyists are really powerful and kind of generally shutting things down. But when it comes to AI, there does seem to be, you know, this sort of emerging idea that there should be some kind of licensing regime. So if you think about the FDA and the way that they test medicines before they go out to the public, you know, they spend months and years sometimes testing, making sure things are safe before they allow companies to then go and sell it to real people. They're sort of suggesting maybe we should do something similar for AI algorithms. So, you know, a company might come up with a new powerful AI algorithm that can do all sorts of things. And before being able to put that into real products or release it to the public, allowing people to do what they want with it, they need to send it to the government. The government, you know, plays around with it for a, for a while, tries to see, you know, can I do anything? Can I create misinformation with this? If, if I asked it, ask it to do something, does it, you know, show a lot of bias or, you know, racism or anything like that before allowing it to kind of go out to the public? So that's the main idea that you see emerging here in the U.S., but also in other countries. The U.K. is talking about it. Europe's talking about it. So that's kind of where we are. Do some of these smaller companies feel like these these guardrails would stifle their progress into what can be created through their AI platforms? Yeah, I think the big concern is that if you do have to send your AI to the government to get signed off before you can, you know, start selling it, that's something that, you know, requires time. It's something that requires uh, you know, just being able to kind of sustain your business while you wait for the government to decide whether you can move forward or not. And I think the smaller companies feel that, you know, the bigger companies, they have all the engineers, the lawyers to be able to to do that, to meet those kinds of requirements, maybe even to lobby governments, you know, in support of their own tools. Whereas if you and I just started our own AI company and, you know, we took something that was open source, which is, you know, technology that's just kind of freely available and we started tweaking tweaking it making it unique and started to build our own product, would that mean we would have to go and then wait six months for the government to, you know, say that, okay, it's safe before we're allowed to start seeing if people even want to buy it. And so that's kind of the concern, but, you know, I, you know, it's also important to sort of have that skepticism too, which is, you know, 
generally, you know, a lot of companies are kind of skeptical of, of AI regulation in the first place. And one of the ways that they can stop the government from doing it is by scaring them into thinking that it's going to cut into innovation. And so I think the, the, the main thing is, you know, AI is such a big question mark. We have no idea whether this technology will really disrupt our lives in the way that some people are saying or whether it's just going to be something that will sort of fade into the background and we won't be talking much about it six months from now. So it, it's very open-ended right now. I'm so glad you, you included it, your, your piece in the Washington Post about Sam Altman, who's the CEO of, of OpenAI, who's the, the parent company of ChatGPT. Um, he told uh, lawmakers that if this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. And so I, I do wonder if, to a certain extent, lawmakers see where maybe they were, they were, they were almost oblivious to the powers of social media. Is there a is there a sense that they don't want to make that same mistake twice? If they if they can get involved and work with these companies early on, it doesn't escalate into a situation where things get out of hand. I think that's definitely a dynamic that's going on. I mean, we saw all sorts of congressional hearings about social media, but really only after the fact, after, you know, apps like Facebook had really become super, super powerful in our society, were used, you know, became a big factor in politics, uh, ideas spreading on those platforms during the pandemic, you know, all sorts of conspiracy theories spreading on those platforms, you know, making people change their political opinions, change decisions about their own health care. And I, I think, that the politicians felt that, oh, they, they really missed out on that one. You know, they want to be involved. They want to be, you know, show to their voters that they know what's going on in the world, that they're on top of things, that, that they've got things under control. And, I, and so I think they felt a little chastised by that. And this time with AI, you know, whether it becomes a big deal or not, they feel, oh, well, let's get ahead of it in some way. You know, I did a, I did a story earlier this week where um... – the idea of students, particularly in grade school, being harmed by this technology, like out in New Jersey, there was a high school where there were several different AI generated new nude photos of students being circulated on social media. It wasn't them. They were it was completely artificially generated. And, and that's one of the concerns, obviously, and a, and a serious one. But as we gear up towards a presidential election, one that has a lot of consequence, not only in the country, but on the global stage, is there a worry from politicians that this technology will be used for nefarious purposes when it comes to this election? Yeah, I mean, you're already seeing uh, deep fakes, which is essentially, you know, a fake image or a fake video of real po- politicians getting out there. And I think that that's partly why. The politicians seem to care about this because it's something that could directly affect them. You know, I mean, uh, no politician wants to see a video of them saying something potentially offensive that could be used against them that they didn't actually say. And we know that, you know, in our information ecosystem, uh, there's already a lot of stuff out there that just isn't true, but people believe it because they want to believe it. And so, you know, a deep fake doesn't even have to be extremely convincing to be able to push forward a narrative that, mm-hmm. that might not be based on facts. And so I think we're already starting to see this. We've seen it in previous elections where people are just making things up. And now that could be even more powerful because instead of just sort of, you know, writing something, you could actually potentially very easily just someone on their own with their own computer without any technical skills 
create videos, images that look and sound like real people. Garrett Devink, uh, appreciate your reporting on this. We'll catch up again soon. Anytime. 800-859-0957 if you want to weigh in on that. I want to get to a call here before we got to go to break. Let's go to David Rochester. Hello, David. Hey, Chris. Hey, what's going on? Like Ronald Reagan said, here we go again. All right, <laughs> let's do it. I got about a minute left for you here, though. Yeah, well, listen, uh, they, they have not wavered. They have not wavered. You asked one bit in their support for, for, for Israel in this regard of exacting retribution. All they're doing, all they've done, is try to counsel them, say, look, everybody's going to look bad. If we're no better than them. If we go bombing, like uh, just to go after, uh, for instance, a singular terrorist in the hospital where we know it, we're going to destroy it. Whether we're no, we're not. We're not going to be in compliance with international humanitarian laws, Geneva Convention laws. And guess what? Guess what? It worked because the four. Are you against the four-hour pauses? They're now conceding each day to make to allow help, to allow the Red Cross, to allow passages. I don't know that I would be on board with hardware. with four hours a day. Not 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 per day. You want to go every other day? Uh, I, I can make the argument okay, for that. So, but 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 Dave. Regardless, there has already been humanitarian aid being sent into Gaza, even outside these four hour pauses. I'm sorry, but I got to run. Have a nice weekend. We got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon. All right. This just in from Pete Thamel of ESPN. He has been following this Michigan story. He says sources. The Big Ten is expected to discipline Michigan for the in-person scouting and ongoing sign-stealing investigation and will prohibit Jim Harbaugh from being on the sideline until the conclusion of the regular season. He will be allowed to coach during the week. I imagine this will be, now this will be taken to the courts. What's interesting here is, is, Pete Thamel's description of it. The Big Ten is expected to discipline Michigan for the in-person scouting and ongoing sign-stealing investigation and will prohibit Jim Harbaugh from being on the sideline until the conclusion of the regular season. I, um, my, my hunch is this is exactly what Michigan was lawyering up for. So I will uh, continue to follow this. We'll try to get some information for you. And uh, we'll we'll bring you the latest. But that's according to Pete Thamel. The Big Ten has not officially come out and acted yet. But that's according to Pete Thamel with ESPN. Sources say the Big Ten expected to discipline Michigan for the in-person scouting and ongoing sign-stealing investigation and will prohibit Jim Harbaugh from being on the sideline until the conclusion of the regular season. He will be allowed to coach during the week. So we'll keep you up to date on that. I'm unclear if that even really means he'll be able to coach tomorrow, but my 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 guess is Michigan's going to to fight this in the courts. They'll be filing for a temporary restraining order on this on this edict and we'll see if Jim Harbaugh will be on the sidelines at noon in Happy Valley tomorrow. You know, we here at WJR partner with with the Gleaners Community Food Bank of Southeast Michigan. Why? Because they're doing good things in the community. They are helping people in need. And sometimes it's more of a hand up than a hand out. And they're trying to eliminate hunger here in in our region. 
And it's a lot easier said than done, but they are doing they are doing their best. And hopefully, I, I've said this to them many times, hopefully they, at some point in time, don't have to continue. And that means everybody is is eating and everybody is is not hungry. Well, we, of course, partner with Gleaners uh, as part of our Hunger Free in the D broadcast. Uh, JR Morning will be out there. All Talk will be out there as well at Palazzo Debacci um, as, as part of our efforts. And by the way, if you want to contribute to that, you can now. It's hungerfreeinthed.com. But before we get to our broadcast there on November 20th, there is another effort underway. Because there's something going on, like we saw certainly with, with Taylor Swift, that there is a, a generous side to music fans here locally. And Metallica's in town this weekend. Now, they got two shows at Ford Field, back-to-back nights, and there is there is no duplicating of songs. And so, much like Taylor Swift did when she donated to Gleaners Community Food Bank of Southeast Michigan, Metallica is asking people to donate their time on behalf of the band and on behalf of their them being in town this weekend. It's a very cool initiative. Kristen Sokol is the Senior Director of Advancement uh, Communications for Gleaners and joins us. Kristen, good to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, have the metalheads... Uh, shown out? Uh, has has there been a swell of volunteers? We did. We saw some great volunteers this morning. We had an effort booked out for them um, from 9 to 11.30 this morning, helping us pack some incredible food for our community. And, uh, you know, I think that they perhaps spent a little less time thinking about music and a little more time thinking about packing because they did 25,000 pounds for us today. Oh, my God. Well, that that has to be a huge help to you. I, honestly, we could not do the work that we do in this community without partnerships, without supporters and volunteers. I mean, volunteers really are the lifeblood of us getting the work done. And so we're so grateful to Metallica and their foundation, the All Within My Hands Foundation, for selecting us as an opportunity to encourage their fans to give back in the community in celebration of this event this time of year. Uh, because it is the only way that we're able to get the tremendous volume of food out the door that we do. You know, Taylor Swift also donated to Gleaners. Um, now Metallica getting involved, too. These are two behemoths in the music industry. I, I, I think it's incredibly telling that they chose Gleaners um, in this case. What, what, what does that signal to you? What that says to me is that even beyond our own community, there are there are supporters who really want to turn the page, um, pun intended, on hunger and take that one worry off the table for families because we know as a community together that everyone benefits when hunger is solved. Our households operate better. Our communities operate better. We can do the things that we need to to be successful and thrive. And so seeing these incredibly generous and successful people like uh, Metallica, like Taylor Swift, um, using their generosity for good can only be inspiration for others to do the same. And, of course, we've got our Hunger Free in the D broadcast coming up from Palazzo Debachi. Um, and, and it's always a sp- a special day for us here at WJR because we're able to tap into our audience who is so giving um, and, and is just 
a, a part of this community that is so giving. How important is it for people to to get involved with either their time or their money? Obviously, things are expensive nowadays, but but it swings both ways for for people. It's expensive. And then for for you, it can be expensive to to buy the necessary uh, food for people. But but there's so much more behind that as well. How important are these initiatives? Yeah, that is true. The, the sad but true reality is that there are far too many families who are struggling right now. Um, and we have this incredible opportunity through this partnership with WJR, with the Chelani Family Foundation, through Hunger Free in the D, for your listeners to have twice the impact in making a difference for our neighbors. Because of the Chelani Family Foundation in the Hunger Free in the D campaign, every dollar that would normally be able to buy three meals because of Gleaner's incredible purchasing power now provides six meals. So if you have an extra dollar in your pocket, you really could be feeding a neighbor for two days. Mm. And so uh, what a tremendous time to create a big impact because of those families struggling from inflation that has been carrying on for far too long. And at a season that is already challenging for families, imagining that most of your favorite memories include food in some way. And this holiday season really is surrounding food. And if you can't provide all of that for your family, you know, what that means to you and your memories and how you interact with one another. You know, Kristen, I found the uh, the tie. WJR, the Chelani Family Foundation, uh, uh, Taylor Swift and Metallica, we all support cleaners. How about that? That's That's the connection that binds us. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, we're we're very excited for the 20th and to, to help you out uh, any way we can. Kristen Sokol with Gleaners Community Food Bank of Southeast Michigan. Thank you for your time. And we're so happy people were able to come out and help. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate you so much. Yeah, you got it. Um, Brian, you're going to be at the show, right? Aren't you? You're, you're going to both nights? I am going tonight and Sunday. Both nights. Did you say tonight? Tonight. Oh, it's tonight and Sunday. Tonight and Sunday. Two nights. Oh, good God. Two nights. Two different opening acts, two different set lists. All right. Well, who's the opening act tonight? Tonight, it is Mammoth WVH with his Wolfgang Van Halen. Oh, sweet. Then Pantera. I saw Wolfie play once. Then Metallica. Uh, Pantera's the opening on Sunday? No. No, tonight. Oh, tonight. Wolfgang, Pantera, then Metallica. Oh, wow. Sunday is a band called Ice Nine Kills. Okay. Five Finger Death Punch. Oh, yeah. Then Metallica. Did a great rendition of Bad Company. Five yeah. Finger Death Punch did. They're a great band. Um, well, it's going to be cool. And and they, you were telling me, they are all about town. I mean, they got a pop-up. They're doing whiskey tastings at different bars. Yep. And the tomorrow, are, uh, Headfield's going to be at Third Man Records on cast. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Jack books. White's place, right? Yep. So books. they're, I mean, they're when they get to these towns, it's immersive. Yes. They have been in town. Some of them have been in town since Wednesday because I've been seeing photos of the bass player, Robert Trio at the Fox Theater and around Detroit. So I will say, and and I think this goes to a little bit back with, with the Taylor Swift thing. Now, her tickets got, I mean, they were out of hand, yeah. in my opinion. But if you're going to spend a lot of money, I think that there needs to be, I mean, the, the concert experience has changed. Yeah. So now you can, I think what Metallica's doing is right. Not everybody has that ability. Oh, yeah. Like Bruce Springsteen ain't running pop-ups around town. You know no. what I mean? He'll be a big draw, but he ain't. It's not like Metallica. So I, I'm interested to see how many bands or artists kind of take this 
immersive approach as right. opposed to just rolling into town, we doing the show, and come that, out. That the big band, the big groups ought to be doing this kind of stuff it's everywhere cool. they go. And, it's really and cool. Being here for the whole weekend, like, uh, you know, uh, the last city they stopped, Metallica, they went to a bowling alley and did a charity event. You could bowl with Metallica. And just raise money for charity for bowling. You could go bowl with the band and, you know, spend money and donate to All right, to real quick. It's like, cool. Lars Ulrich, good drummer, bad drummer? I like him. Mm. I think he, uh, <laughs> All right. Now we're going to argue off the air, yeah. aren't we? Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got We got to take a break. We'll, we'll try to get into more of this Michigan stuff next with Steve Courtney here on WJR. All right. According to ESPN's Pete Thamel, Michigan... Head coach Jim Harbaugh is expected to be disciplined to the tune of not being on the sideline for the remainder of the regular Big Ten season. He will be able to coach midweek. Now, I'm working on a source that said that the timing of the discipline announcement was timed so that U of M will have a hard time getting a judge to sign the injunction. Late in the day on a Friday. Um, also saying that they would have to file a lawsuit, find out which judge would be assigned, and then file the motion for a TRO, a temporary restraining order. And then you hope that the judge sees it. So uh, this is a developing story. Pete Thamel saying that Jim Harbaugh expected to be disciplined to the tune of not being able to be on the sideline during games for the rest of the regular season in the Big Ten, but we'll be able to coach uh, the rest of the week during uh, game weeks. Steve Courtney joins us. What do you make of it, Stephen? Well, as we discussed yesterday, Chris, first of all, happy Friday to you. Uh, from a legal standpoint, it's going to be extremely hard uh, to get anything done, being Veterans Day weekend. Again, thank you, everybody, for your service. Uh, but today is a court holiday. Uh, so if they're looking to get this, that, and the other thing done from a legal perspective, good luck with that. Um, we'll just have to uh, wait and see if they're able to uh, put a little something-something together. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I to be honest with you, uh, it's kind of the 11th hour mm-hmm. as the Wolverines prepare uh, for the showdown at State College against Penn State tomorrow, Chris. And uh, we'll see how it all unfolds. Uh, meanwhile, if you don't mind, i just like to talk about football for a second. Let's do it. Thank goodness. Uh, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, the game you will hear right here on 760 WJR tomorrow night, prime time, 730 kick. Um, you know, the Spartans coming off that very emotional win against the visiting Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, last Saturday at Spartan Stadium as a reward. Uh, they find themselves in Columbus to take on El Numero Uno in the CFP, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Michigan State looking for its first win over Ohio State since 2015 when the Spartans beat the number two Buckeyes 17-14 at Ohio Stadium on their way to winning the Big Ten Championship and earning a berth in the college football playoff. This will mark the first time Michigan State has played a team ranked number one in the college football playoff rankings. The Spartans, in case you're wondering, have topped Ohio State ten times when the Buckeyes entered the game ranked in the AP Top 25, including five times when the Buckeyes were ranked in the Top 5. The Spartans, there is absolutely no doubt about it, Chris, will have to play flawless. I do... Whatever plus, beyond plus, plus. Uh, yes, and whatever <laughs> it is beyond that, 
uh, to have a chance. As a matter of fact, they go in heavy underdogs to the tune of 31.5 points. Meanwhile, uh, what we have going on at State College going to be a tilt for sure. Uh, the Nittany Lions, boasting the country's second-ranked defense, seeks to upstage Michigan's top-ranked defense when the number two Wolverines get together uh, with the Nittany Lions at what will be a raucous Beaver Stadium. Uh, Michigan is allowing, this is incredible, just 6.7 points and 231.4 total yards per game. Chris, no team has taken a single snap inside Michigan's 10-yard line this season. It's pretty unbelievable. mind-boggling. Uh now, here's the deal. The uh, Nittany Lions have scored 30 or more points in every game except the one in Columbus. Uh, they have scored 84 points and totaled 746 yards in the last two weeks. So you could easily say that uh, the uh, Penn State offense starting to find itself a little bit here. Uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, this whole deal with uh, the Wolverines. It's been unfolding for a while. Uh, Zach Zinter, the all uh, Big Ten offensive guard, uh, has this quote. There's a lot of noise going on outside the building. If someone thinks we're the villain, I'm fine with being the villain. Sometimes the villain wins and takes down the superhero. Uh, what we have here is Michigan, a road favorite to the tune of four. That will be at high noon in what is one of the great environments in all of college football, uh, Beaver Stadium. Uh, Chris, it seems like forever and a day, the Honolulu Blue and Silver Detroit Lions played a football game. Uh, haven't played since knocking off the Wheaties on that Monday night a couple of weeks ago. Now they find themselves uh, in the City of Angels to take on the Chargers. That'll be 4.05 on Sunday afternoon. Right now the Lions are favored by three. And it's a darn good thing they're coming off to buy because they're a much healthier football team uh, than they were going into the bye. Uh, Jonah Jackson uh, is going to be going. Uh, Frank Ragnow is going to be going up front on that uh, O-line, and it's a darn good thing because all of a sudden this Charger team, they've won back-to-back games, and uh, they are getting to the quarterback. Khalil Mack, remember him? He's got nine sacks. He is tied for fifth most in the National Football League. As a matter of fact, uh, as a team collectively, uh, the Chargers uh, have been racking up the sacks. As a matter of fact, they are, uh, I think, uh, in a situation where they're third in the league as far as that category mm. goes. So uh, get Lions after the have passer. to be on their toes. Yeah, oh, you no, betcha. no doubt about it. And I think Dave Montgomery said to come back as well. Uh, all right, Stephen. Well, enjoy the weekend of football. It's going to be a fun one. We'll talk to you again next week. Looking forward to it. Have a great weekend, Chris. All right, you do the same. That's Steve Courtney. Uh, Ken Brown joins us as well. What's up, KB? Hey, 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 hey. Uh, are you going to offer your your patented oh, uh, football I, knowledge? I heard Steve. If, 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 if Jared Goff plays well, they'll win. I don't care about that. I heard Steve talking about the Michigan thing. Yeah. Look, this isn't DeVry University they're messing with. This isn't Motec Truck Driving School. There'll be a judge on that sideline if they have to. If you don't think Harbaugh's going to be at that game I'm, on the, tomorrow, you guys are kidding yourselves. I'm pretty sure. I'm. Uh, I'm uh, my, look, Lord I don't Te- think that you hire the best law firm Shaw in the country. College. This ain't Shaw College you're messing with, I okay? Think, I, I imagine they would have prepared for every scenario. Please. And if they're going to file a temporary. They'll build a courthouse if they had to tonight to have that game play. <laughs> 
<laughs> in the parking in lot. In the parking lot. It's just a, it's just a, it's a, a judge's desk there, judge's witness desk stand. And a coffee oh, stand. Good God. Come on. All right, Mitch Alman, the crew coming up. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. We'll catch you Monday, same time, same place.